I looked down, his whole leg's blown off. Uh, the impact of the vehicle striking the barrier was so so much that I, I guess his leg had impacted underneath the dash. I mean, it literally blew his leg off. I remember looking at him, looking at his leg, you know, there's arterial blood squirting out. I mean, it, for whatever reason, that's how it hit me. That's, you know, and so I carried that for a while because I, I couldn't shake um, the feeling of being frozen. In all reality, did I physically freeze? No. Like it was, like I said, one, two seconds, you're doing your job. But mentally, yes. Images of just the individual images looking down, you know, my, my boots had flesh, blood, hair still stuck to my boots uh, after the call that I had to get off. The screams of people that were in the vehicle still out there screaming. I mean, even even now, you know, and reflecting back, I, I can still hear them. It's, it's one of those that unfortunately doesn't go away. You're, you're stuck with that. Maybe somebody else that's that's new, you know, because like I said, I, I can't offer you 30 years of experience. That's not it's not where I'm at. But if I could offer a new person, someone that's, you know, maybe in that I'm just getting started or I'm thinking about joining to upwards of that, you know, five year mark, give or take, like, you know, you're still fairly new and you're still trying to uphold that, you know, oh, I'm trying to be a hard ass like everybody else, you know. If they listen to this and they're struggling with something, then you know, it's okay to reach out. Like it's 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 really okay. You're listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast. Brought to you by the Assist the Officer Foundation. Since 1999, the ATO has given assistance to the first responder community. And now we want to give them a platform to hear their incredible stories. We also want to hear the stories of the many people that support us. Our community is small, but it is strong. We have differences. We don't always agree. And we all make mistakes. But together we can grow. We can heal. And we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide. Vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. People who wade into discomfort and vulnerability and tell the truth about their stories are the real badasses. Brene Brown. Wellness is like a never-ending sculpture, and we are our own artist for self-improving. However, sometimes we need artist tools, like a Dr. T, Barbara Crump, Melissa McLemore, Dottie Claggett, or the great Tanya Glenn, to assist us in refining and improving our own self-masterpiece. Welcome back, ATO fans. I'm Joe King. Today I'm sitting with my buddy, Randy Aguilar, and we are sitting down with a guest that I believe defines courage, and after hearing his story, I believe the loyal listeners will agree. He was born in Dallas, Texas, like me, grew up in Rowlett, Texas, 
played football, and powerlifted for Rowlett High. His, his physique is evidence. He still clearly works out. He started firefighting in Dallas in 2018 and quickly learned how high-speed Dallas, Texas is. He joined the Urban Search and Rescue Unit, which is a specialized unit that is a surgical approach to seeking and rescuing victims after mass casualty. He's a day one ATO Bridging the Divide P1. He's a husband to Megan. Dog dad to Braxton, Tucker, and Brisket. ATL fans, welcome on Dallas Fire and Rescue, Zach Talent. Zach, thanks for coming on. Man, thanks. That was that's incredible. <laughs> you, you, you nearly had me choked up in the beginning, man. That's, yeah, well, that's why I wasn't was awesome. looking at you. That was, that yeah, was we start awesome. high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, that's we're just I'm I'm humbled to be here and uh, I. I don't know, man. It's just it, it's weird. Like I said, it's it's weird being on this side of the table and yeah. not, not listening from. Well, for the listener, this is the first time uh, we've met you and and your wife. Uh, so you reached out to me months ago, and we kind of just been text buddies up until today. And yeah, it's, I'm glad we finally got to meet. Yeah, and you know, I, and like I told Megan in the beginning, you know, I thought it was important that I reach out to you guys, just because you know, with what you're doing, if no one reaches out and says, hey you know, this affected me this way, or, you know, I've been able to take something away from this. I mean, at the end of the day, you're sitting here doing podcasts and you're like, well, is anybody, is anybody taking anything away from this? And, uh, you know, that was, that was my main reason for reaching out to you guys is just to let you guys know, Hey, you're, you're doing a good job. And this, you know, it, it is affecting people. It affects people's lives. Well, I really appreciate that. And, and I always share, I get messages from people from all over and police fire and a lot of civilian Hell, we have a civilian that's coming into town from New York we never met, and she's flying in just to volunteer at uh, one of the ATO events coming up and and meet us. It, and it's kind of it's it's kind of surreal. And it's and uh, here are firefighters. You, I, I use, we don't know how many firefighters listen or how many right. you know uh, other police in other states listen to us. And uh, we got people in other countries that are uh, doing these downloads. And it's it is still kind of odd to us to have people reach out. But trust me when I say I appreciate it. And right. I send it. I usually take screenshots and uh, I send it to the to the core group, Misty, Danny, and uh, Randy, and Ed. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of show, hey, somebody's somebody's uh, liking this. Right. So, and you're, you coming here is very unique because we always figure out a way. One of my goals is how to measure this and relate it to our growth and – you know, we're a fund or nonprofit, so we always want to raise money. So sure. we want. I, I, I'm always looking for measurables, and then this is probably the biggest measurable we've had so far because we know we're we know we're helping people when we actually get someone that we've helped, and then we get you in here right to talk more about what you're going on and what you're going to discuss today and how you got here. I think is really valuable to us. It's yeah, it's 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 it's, it's immeasurable. It's great right. for our little podcast. It's a it's a it's a true success story. You know, for what our mission was, and I remember starting off and talking to Randy, Randy and I working out uh, in the gym, beating hell out of each other, legends fit. I, I couldn't tell you worked out. I mean, yeah, I, I, well, he's I, looking at me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd, we'd be beating the hell out of each other, and and, um, I, and told Randy, I said, we can help one person, you know, by this podcast. It's worth right. it. And and by your response and you being here, and, and also uh, many other responses we got, and some I hadn't even shared with some folks. Um, cause they're just friends of mine that have, uh, certain episodes have meant something to them. And it's really weird how some episodes hit people and, 
in some ways and yeah. and some are just kind of like oh wow you like that one okay <laughs> right. well good right um but it, it doesn't matter and it's very very humbling cuz if a lot of people know us and is big of goofballs as we are and how much we're no, always screwing around right the fact that we know we're you know helping people and right it it's it's really humbling i, I oh, think yeah. that's the best word to use to describe it i want to get into your uh beautiful wife Megan. she's uh <laughs> she's she sitting is. here um can you tell us a little bit about yourself where do you work yeah, so I'm Megan. I am a registered nurse at Children's Health. I work in Plano. Okay. Um, I grew up in Austin and made my way to Lubbock to attend Texas Tech. Um, I got a degree in community family and addiction sciences. So that's where my mental health background comes from. And then I went on to get my BSN to become a nurse. And I, that's what I do. I love it. I still work in psych to this day. I work on a pediatric eating disorder floor. So I kind of have a medical and psych combination unit, I guess you could say. Um, I've been an advocate for mental health since I can't even remember. And it's kind of something I've always preached to to Zach and made sure like he knew about, but I don't think that he really understood until probably the last year. Um, I definitely think me having a background in it is kind of a blessing and a curse yeah. um, for life. But there's just not, there's just still not enough advo- advocacy and just promotion out there. And there's so many people mm-hmm. like firefighters and police officers, you know, that have this, um, they need to be tough. And there's not people out there that help them. And those are some people that need the most help. So yeah. I'm really happy to be here and I'm eternally grateful yeah. for y'all. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, well, this profession, first responder profession, it, it's hard. Well, even, you know, even your profession, Megan, I mean, well, you, yeah, absolutely. you look what yeah, you have we to see too. Yeah, you see every day, you <laughs> see the same thing. So you have to, your mind has to decompress and detach and, and, and you have to, and you have to cope with it in your own ways too, right? Yes, and definitely. I, you know, so it's, it's not just, it's not just police and fire and we're going to have on. Uh, we want to have on some other doctors. We have a SWAT doctor that's already been recorded, Metzger. He's a really good one. Uh, he, his is a really fascinating episode. Um, but I want to have on all walks of first responders. Anybody, Absolutely. And I'm having on, you know, even the DA that did the Dr. Death episode. Mm-hmm. He, she's come, uh, already have hers recorded. But this profession, uh, the ATO got on the forefront of this whole counseling deal and starting mm-hmm. the confidential counseling way back when. And it's taken off, and other agencies have tried to model it, and it just—I don't think they—they've caught that. I would magic. like to say, you know, and I can't speak for the guys that started. I think we just got really lucky in how we, when it started, the way it's gone, right. and, and we've been very, very fortunate. Um, and I know, and like I say, it was all luck. I know they put a lot of effort into how they got there, but it, a lot of it was, I think, just luck and timing that we were able to. Mm-hmm do as well as what we've done so far yeah well i think it had to do with the people that were running it back then the popkin and you know and 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 dotty getting involved uh so early on the way the Meyer clinic was one of our first that that right. uh, crump works for so it, it it was a lot of luck probably and then also just hey however it happened it happened well, and, yeah. and, 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 <clears throat> the luck and that it was a needed something that was yeah. very very needed right. and i think at the beginning i'm sure firefighters are the same um, way as cops, they, no one would talk about anything. Just go home, 
rub some right. dirt on it, drink right. a beer, and then roll out the next day and like nothing happened. And right. I think we've seen over the years that that's not been the most healthy no. thing. No. No. Definitely and I, not. Yeah, I can attest to that. It's a Band-Aid. Not. It's a Band-Aid. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, um, and it'll you know. eventually get ripped off. Yeah. You know. Multiple times. Right? Sure. All right. I want to get into a little bit of uh, DFR history. This is y'all's 105th year, 50th year anniversary. Um, I want to give a little piece of history. Um, special shout out to Sandra Gonzalez and Adriana Gallegos for this information on its history. In 1872, after delays from the Civil War and Dallas Reconstruction, Dallas Company Number 1 began fire operations on July 4, 1872. This station was equipped with two hand pump engines and 10 small extinguishers. W.C. Bud Connor was elected to be chief of the 14-member fire department. Horse-drawn steam pumper made by Silsby Manufacturing Company was purchased in July of 1873. The apparatus was named Old Silsby. Three years later, the Dallas Hook and Ladder Company Number 2 was formed. Thank y'all, Sandra and Adriana, for that. And uh, shout-out to Chief Bill, too. He's on that uh, committee for the DFR's great 150-year anniversary. Um, y'all been around longer than DPD. Well, Zach, since you are a avid scuba diver, are you ready to dive into this? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Growing up in Rowlett, talk about that. Uh, you're on the periphery of Dallas. Can you tell the listener where Rowlett is? Yeah, so Rowlett, uh, it's just off I-30, headed east of Dallas. Um, I don't know what the population is now. I know whenever I was growing up, you know, it it was big town, small feel, if you will. It was probably 50,000, 60,000 people, which, you know, a good-sized town, but it never felt that way. Like anytime, anytime when you'd be out at the store, you'd run into people from school or, you know, you'd run into somebody's parents or like so – Growing up, I I just was like, well, I grew up in a small town, you know, until until I got out of that, went to college, and I'm meeting people from towns of, you know, oh well, yeah, we got 50 in our town, and I'm like, oh wow, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> so much for my little town. Well, it, it it's also next to Rockwall, right? It, yes, like, it borders up there, basically the lake. Ray yeah. Hubbard, Sharon Ray Hubbard. Uh huh. Yeah, um, I live out there, so and I, I like the Rockwall area a lot and Rowlett and um. So, what year were you born? Ninety three. Damn. Okay. Yeah. yeah I just graduate. Randy now graduating. So uh, anyway, um, Dollar Rowlett was only was known for Dollar Routier incident, and I'm sure have you done any research on that on that uh, thing that happened there in '97. That yeah yeah. Uh, that, there's been several incidents that have come yeah. out of Rowlett that have been noteworthy. Of, yeah. yeah. Dollar Routier was the big one that happened in '97, and there was nothing out there. The harbor wasn't even built in Rockwell. I mean, there was nothing out no. there in that area. When that, it it's funny, you know, because I I remember back, and I'm like, you know, I remember having Dairy Queen. You had China Lake, yeah. Albertsons, <laughs> and I mean, that was it. You China know, Lake. yeah. <laughs> hey, it was good growing up. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> That's all we had. Well, hell, Ponchos was good growing up yeah. too. It was like yeah. quantity over quality. Yeah. But, yeah. Ponchos. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Just walk out of there having to wear a diaper for the rest of the day. <laughs> Um, a, good well, cl- a good cleanse is always good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want a colonic, you just go to Poncho's and raise the flag a few times. Um, what was your favorite sport growing up? What did you play? Uh, growing up, my favorite sport was always football, and yeah. I think that that stemmed from my dad. I mean, he's a huge Cowboys fan. Like you know, ride or die Cowboys. Yeah. You know whether they're good, bad. You know, mostly bad, but whatever. You yeah. Know, it's, yeah. Just. 
you know, it, we had we got spoiled here for so long, right? And now, and I think it, that was it. You know, he he was right there. I mean, with y'all in the early nineties, yeah. like, hey, you know, Cowboys, we're out here doing it. You know, we're out here winning, getting Super Bowls, and uh, so that it stemmed from that. And and he's he's a just he's really passionate about high school football and yeah. in particular, like well, loves, Texas. You got to be, yeah. yeah. I mean, every year, you know. Dave Campbell's high school magazine comes out. My dad's like, look, I got it. You know, first day, like, I got you. Did you see, you know, Rowlett's going to do this? They're getting this coach or, or whatever, you know. Um, so, it, it, football has just always been a huge, huge part of my life. That's cool. I, at, you know, we talked about the Cowboys parade going to shit in, yeah. in, the, in the SWAT episodes. Yeah. And that was – it seems so far – it seems like so long ago <laughs> that, that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Randy and I are graduating high school about whenever those are yeah. – that triplets are going on. It's about – what twenty eight years? Yeah, yeah, give it to uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm coming up on, but this summer's my thirty year high school reunion too. So oh. you just oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry. I'm not I'm not trying to rub salt in it. No. <laughs> yeah, we're old. All right. When did you start uh, first having an uh, interest in first responder world? Oh gosh, um, my interest from that I I'll have to kind of I guess dig deep, but so. Whenever I was in, we'll say, kindergarten, first grade, and I might be a little off on that, but we took a tour. I was in Cub Scouts. We took a tour of the Rowlett Police Station, and uh, that night, you know, went around, walking around. I don't remember too much of it, but I remember after, I mean, we stayed forever, and my mom was talking to one of the police officers that was kind of hitting that up, and uh, his name was, he's retired now. John Johnson was his name, and so she got in with him, and pretty much decided that she wanted to become a volunteer for the police department. Uh, I think they were looking for maybe volunteers at that time or something. Um, and so her decision, because of that, she wanted to essentially learn more about the community. And, I mean, what better place to do that than the police department? Because, you know, they're going to know what's good, what's bad, what's, you know, what's going on. Um, so from then on out, it seemed like, you know, she helped them do a lot of things with their Citizens Police Academy. She helped them. Uh, get their VIPS program up and running. And so I think seeing her being so involved all the time with the police department and eventually also the Rowlett Fire Department, that just kind of just pulled me to that profession because I was always, I've, I've always been around cops. I've always been around, you know, firemen, more so cops than firemen. But um, it, it just piqued my interest, I guess. And it seemed like a cool gig. Like you drive around and you're in a squad yeah. car, or you're driving around in a fire engine and you're just, you know, you're helping people and that, you know, to me that it just seemed like an awesome job. And I, I was like, I, I don't know that I could see myself doing anything else. And, yeah. and at times, you know, I would stray away from that thing like, Oh, well, you know, I could go into the medical field or I could go be a lawyer or whatever, you know, as I got older thinking, you know, monetary, like, Oh, where mm -hmm. can I make the most money? But it always came back to, you know, I just, I'm not doing what I should be, what I feel like I should be doing, you know, right. you're calling. Right. And so that, I, I think that's, where it originally stemmed from was her volunteer work with the city, uh, doing being involved the way she was. Okay, you watch, you mentioned to me before you watched some uh, cool cop shows growing up. What were some yeah. of those? The yeah, you I mentioned, and, and I still like cops. I still like watching cops. cops. You know, they got he does. yeah, the yeah. new season's coming out soon. <laughs> I think I keep yeah. seeing yeah. they pop it up everywhere on Fox. Um, yeah, man, cops was awesome. Uh, 
I know y'all may or may not, you know, want to talk about it, but Dallas Swat was always cool to no, me. Hey I, hey, I don't mind talking. Steve Claggett, he cringes every yeah. time it's brought up because he <laughs> he's, like, he's oh, caught man. so much shit over the years. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I can imagine so. But, yeah. no, man, you know, when I was growing up, that that was awesome. Like, yeah. you're sitting there watching Dallas Swat, you're like, man, this is going on like, In the city, right, yeah, right over there, there you right know. Bridge. Like, no, Claggett is, a, Claggett is a true badass, though. He really yeah. is. Why did you want to be a cop initially? I don't know if it's because that was my first real experience with public safety mm-hmm. is, is just being around cops. Um, I, I mean, really and truly, I never wanted to be a fireman. <laughs> I just yeah. kind of fell into it. Uh, Good choice. Yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> I could turn well, back time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, man, I, I just always thought policing was awesome. Like, you know, they're out, you know, as, as a kid growing up into a young adult and even in college, I was like, you know, Cops are there. They're protecting people. You know, when you may not like them, but when stuff hits the fan, it's like you ain't looking around going, where are the firemen at? Like, you need the cops there. You know, I mean, you're – and in a sense, I guess, I just look at them. To me, cops are the ultimate superhero. They they really are. And I, I kind of – not that I'm a huge comic guy, but I do really like Batman, and I would equivalate yeah, yeah. being a cop to being Batman. I mean, you, you work behind the scenes. No one ever sees what you're doing. It's always a dark place wherever you are. And then, you know, you come in, save the day, and then eh, you might somewhat kind of get some credit, but then everybody's like, ah, you know, that guy's just out there giving tickets, whatever. I mean, all your work is hidden. And I, for some reason, I, I've always been drawn to that because I'm not, even being here today, I'm like, I'm not a, what's the word for it, I guess, like a. You're not really extroverted in anything you do. No, you don't yeah. like I, except I, praise well. Yeah, like <laughs> I you know, I, I like working alone. I like you know, I like yeah. go to the gym, I put my work in, you know, Get nobody needs to see that. Like I just so I don't know, I, I guess that's what drew me to it was just the whole kind of undercover type you know, you're working behind the scenes. You're not in the public eye. There's a lot of dirty work in, in police. Right. And, and, and then it's uh, – and I'm glad to give a shout-out to Batman because, you know, I, I love Batman. Yeah, and, but, uh, you, know, I, you know, I planned that. You, I planned you, that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll have that in the opening. Yeah. The intro, the music. Um, no, it, there's a lot in, in – like like in the Batman movies, there's a lot of people that hate him. You know, there's yeah. like, like there's a lot of people that, that – that, uh, dislike cops but there's you know firefighters now are starting to get a lot of ire from <laughs> from folks out right. on calls I mean, getting shot at and right. y'all fight all the time right. you get some of these combative you know uh victims or right. witnesses that think they know more than y'all when you're sure. trying to save somebody jump up and start fighting hell's megan saying i'm sure y'all get right. the same thing you not so much on my unit not, now, not but so I much children yeah, but did, <laughs> i did work on a uh pediatric psych unit in austin and oh man yeah. um yeah i had my fair that share was, of fights there um <laughs> it was an interesting time i worked at that minute at terrell state i'm sure you heard terrell state mm-hmm. man that thing it was like shutter island with dicaprio it was a <laughs> creepy yeah anyway what drew you to the service aspect is helping others both the action you think i think one yes the action like i mean when you're you know when you're not in it and you're looking at it from the outside, I guess, from a civilian point of view. I mean, you think like, oh, if you're a fireman, like you go to work every day and you're sitting on the bumper with the Dalmatian and oh, bell hits. And then, oh, my gosh, look at him. He's out I was, there. I was looking for the Dalmatian when yeah. he walked in. Yeah. He's, you know, it's like, oh, man, you're you're fighting fire every day and, you know, saving babies and all this stuff. And it's like that's once you're actually there, that's not, you know, that's not. I mean, it does it happen. Sure. But that's not every single day. Yeah. And that's um, I think at the end of the day, I. I reflect back personally on I got into this 
into just public safety in general to help people. And I think, you know, it's, it's taken light a lot of the time, right? Because everybody's like, oh, what would you say on your interview? You like to help people? And then, yeah. you know, everybody's like, well, yeah, that's what I said, you know, trying to get the job type of deal. And they're like, well, you know, you'll find out real quick, kid, whenever somebody calls you at 3 in the morning for a two-week toe pain, how bad you really want to help people. You know what I mean? Like, it, it changes kind of your, your view of what you deem as helping someone. Right. Um, and so I, I, think it's, I think it's a good thing, at, really, for any first responders to not get caught up in maybe some of the little calls, especially in today's time. I mean, the 911 system is, is definitely abused. But oh, yeah. if you if you reflect back on, hey, you know, how do you feel when you first, you know, got your letter saying, hey, you're hired. What, you know, at that time in your life, what were you thinking you were going to go do? And, and try and reflect back on that and keep that with you. And I think in doing that, it it definitely will kind of keep your attitude better and, and help you have more positive days than negative days. Yeah. I yeah. think we all need reminders of that because we can, cops, firefighters, be very cynical because yeah. of sure. what you're just saying sure. there that you get so it's just somebody that's right on a free ride. And like, it's, it's but you got to keep in mind and remember why you're doing it and why you're right. got here because that one day when you go do get to help that one person, it, right? And it's a very you know I think it's a very cliche thing, right? You're like, oh man, you know, remember when you were first excited when you got the job and you're like, oh, that was, you know, how many years ago now and thousands of calls ago. But I mean, if, if you lose sight of that and at the end of the day, you're coming to work and you're like, oh, man, you know, you're just moaning and complaining all day and stuff. Why are you here? Yeah. You know, what, what good, what, this is not doing you any good except for, you know, maybe a paycheck. I mean, why, if you don't love the job, if you don't, whether it's police, fire, EMS, nursing, whatever, if you're not coming in every day and loving your job, not that you have to have a great day every day, because, you know, bad days happen, but what are, what are you doing, you know? And how long have you been on? Uh, I've been with Dallas almost four years, four years yeah. next week. I, I, you know, the, not to say it's going to happen, but the longer you're here, the, I think just people get more beat down over and they over. They do. Until, they do. You get, until you make that one mistake, and then everybody right. hates you, and... You know, we get it here all the time when there's just people that just give up and stop wanting to work and they right. don't want to, they lose their aggression or their right. vigor for the job. And that's any way we can try to bring that back to people, I think is very, very important. Right. Well, I think the wellness, the mental wellness aspect too is really that, that's, that's a big player in just the right. constant beat down, the small pinpricks, right? Of, just right. The, the, of especially in, crap. especially yeah. in a city the size of Dallas. I oh, mean, yeah. you, Y'all see it just how we see it. I mean, your calls, there's always calls in the city. You've always got multiple pages of calls. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and that's not. Most of them are and, bullshit, too, but it's okay. You still got to go to those. Right, and yeah. that's not that's not in any way knocking smaller departments. It's just that's the nature of it. When you have millions of people in a city, you're going to, naturally, you're going to be busier than other places. It's okay and, to knock them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The July 2016 shootings had several effects on applicants. I was on the applicant boards uh, a little bit after that, and I heard like three years after the the July shootings, I heard from a lot of applicants that said basically they they are applying because of Chief Brown's words of what he had to say about hey if you want to make a change, put down the picket sign and get up here and apply, and then that's how you do it. And then had other people that said, man, it, it I was going to I was going to apply sooner, but I was thinking, damn, I seeing the aggression that was uh, that uh, cops were seeing across the country, not just in Dallas, 
hell baton rouge was like right after uh right after three days after the july 7th shootings um and it, and it was really – from I'll tell you, from a law enforcement standpoint, uh, it, we were scared shitless that this was going to be the new norm, right? So when all that was going on, did that change your mind at all of like, did I want to get in this profession? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, 100% without a doubt, I can tell you the events really around the country, but mostly with Dallas, you know, from about 20, we'll say into 2015 into 2017. That's what really, I took a step back and said, do I really want to go do this? I mean, do I, do I want to be out there on the street and everybody hates you? I mean, and, and that's, was that actually the case? You know, I would go as far as say no, but the way that the media was at that time and portraying, you know, kind of flipping some stories, maybe right. not telling everything, people not doing their homework. Yeah, that's, that still that's goes how, on. Yeah. Right, but that's at that time, I think, was the, the kind of the pinnacle of when that switched over to, yeah. you know, you see something in the news and it's like, oh, that's the truth. Well, then people yeah. just run with it, and that, yeah. that's when you get the problems that you do. And so, yeah, I, I, would, I would 100% say that's probably how I found my way into firefighting over law enforcement. Okay. Yeah, well – even even most of what people do now is the they they want to have a catchphrase right they want to jump on a catchphrase right. or a hashtag or something to get likes and exactly. shares they don't even know what the hell they're talking about they just right. throw it out there and they just buzzwords and and it's like defund the police right you know <laughs> you want to yeah you want that to right. happen you'll have like mad max days out right there. that's what it would be like right um bring it on yeah, yeah bring it on we'll be fighting over oil and yeah so you got into firefighting Tell us how, tell us about that. Um, so initially, I guess I'll, I'll back up just a hair. Okay. So I, I graduated college at the end of fifteen, uh, going into twenty sixteen. I was working on a master's at Stephen F. Austin. Um, about halfway through the year, I was like, man, you know, like I looked at my student debt. I was like, ah, I need to really start going to work, like because you know I was majoring in <laughs> yeah, I mean I was majoring in criminal justice and public administration, like not too big money makers. So yeah. I was like, okay, so I'm gonna start hunting for a job. So probably middle of 16, I uh, came back to Rockwall at that time, started looking for a job, um, found my way into a PEO uh, in Rockwall doing workers' compensation. Um, so I started doing that, working the corporate life, and I did that for. I guess about a year, and then I happened to see just a, a flyer for Rockwall Fire Department about doing volunteer work, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll put in for this. Maybe I'll give them a call and just kind of see what this is about. Maybe you know, pique my interest a little. And so I sent them an application. Ended up getting hired with them as a volunteer, uh, and I went up there one night, worked you know my first I guess technical shift in like October of. 17 and uh slept all night so that was good uh everybody was working out they were eating and i was like you know this there might be something make a living out of this yeah there might be something to this gig okay so um so immediately i started i was like well you know i can't apply anywhere i i'm not an emt i'm not a paramedic i'm not i don't have a fire certification uh so i started applying to departments anywhere and everywhere that would take me one of the first ones was dallas um, so I had an application in there pretty quick and there wasn't many more hiring at the time when you could apply and they'd send you to all the school and training. Um, so in January I started going to night class to get my EMT. So I did that for four months, uh, worked, 
you know, full-time, 40 hours a week, 8 to 5. I was going to night class two nights a week, and then the other two nights I was staying the night at the fire station. Uh, so I did that, and then going into the summer of 18, I got an email from Dallas saying, hey, here's your offer letter. Finished up the rest of the process with them, uh, and then started in July. Megan, how, how did you, what did you think about his career move? Okay, so I met Zach in May of 2018. So oh. he had already um, the ball applied. Was yeah, okay. the yeah. ball was ro- rolling. He you knew was what still, you were getting into. Yeah, he was still working Kinda. at um, <laughs> doing workers' comp when I did meet him. But I knew that this was in the works. And he had already been working at Rockwell as a, as a volunteer. So I kind of saw that. And I, mean, I was totally okay with it. Um my fear comes on the police side of things. I was eternally grateful that he was not going to do that. I have an extreme fear of abandonment and my fear of something happening to him, not because if he would do anything, but someone else doing something to him. I didn't see that on the fire side. Now I can understand how it can happen on both, but like, just like he said, the media and that's all you really see. If you don't have anyone that, you know, that's a police officer. So I was good with it. It didn't make a difference to me. I was happy that he was happy. You had your psychology background at that point, right? I I had just graduated nursing school. So we actually met the day before I graduated nursing school. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Megan, you deal with a lot of trauma yourself. You have a background in psychology. How do you cope with all that you see? And we're going to get into the hubby here in a minute, but I want to know how you, what you do, compartmentalize things you see. Um, I've definitely had to learn in my first job. I saw a lot of trauma on, um, the foster care system side of things that just extreme, like I would go out in the middle of the night and be crying in the parking lot. It was so traumatic for me. Um, and I think that's really where I had to learn how to let go and know that I was doing my best job to help the whoever it was in that moment and I was doing everything I could and then I'm going to go home and I worked out some I like to do like nothing that's my form of coping is sitting there you know yeah watching tv focusing on something else that has absolutely nothing to do with trauma um crime anything of that sort I would rather watch drauma shows yeah (laughs) um to and then now I've I've done a lot better job taking care of myself like mentally and physically. I've started working out a lot more, which definitely makes a difference in the way I my brain works. Um, I feel like I'm pretty lucky. I am very low on the anxiety, and which is pretty rare Good these for days. You. Yeah. And so... Um, Zach's pretty lucky then. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yes. true. <laughs> yes, um, very much. But I feel like I just do a really, really good job of basically separating myself from work completely. I know when I go home, I do not check my email. My boss knows that I do not attend. I don't do anything for work when I'm not at work. And I'm really lucky to have a boss that understands that. Um, But it's just, it's what makes it best for me. And that can be really hard, especially for people that don't know how to do that, because that's I it's, you can't teach it. So if you don't know how to do it, then you take on everything and you feel everything. And I'm an empath and I feel for a lot of people, but I just, I've learned to separate myself and know that when I'm at work, I do the best job I can and I take care of those kids and I want to make their life better. Quite literally children's is make, 
life, children's life better. That's their motto. And that is my job. And I stick to that to my core. And then when I go home, that's not my job anymore. And right. I don't take that. I know some people might look at that and be like, why would you do that? Like, that doesn't seem very caring. And I'm like, well, I got to take care of myself or else I can't take care of anyone else. So I think that's how I do it. I'm very strict in my work boundaries is my biggest thing. One of the things that we used to cope with stuff and it was kind of a light switch moment for us is eight hours is eight hours. Mm -hmm. When you get off, put the car up and go home, you turn it off. I mean, it's not easy. Sometimes you got to do that. But if you take the stuff home with you, you just continue to drag you down. Yeah. You got to be able to, you know, it's not easy to flip that switch, but it's, it also takes time and experience to realize, you know, Tay, when you come to that moment, okay, eight hours, eight hours, you know, you can't solve everything. You know, we can make a hundred arrests in one day, unrealistic, but a bunch of arrests in one day, but the shit's still going to be there when you get back. So when you realize you can only do what you can do, that I think it's a very healthy move and Mm -hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, I think that's better. One of the best things about working in the hospital for me, I know one I get, I only have to go three days a week. So that's less than half my week that I'm at the hospital. And two, I work three days in a row. So I'm there and then I'm gone. And then I don't think about it for the other four days and I'm at home. Um, And it some, when I first started, it was really hard. I would think about those kids that you just hear things about and you're like, how, how are there people that do this to kids? And, but you have to know that you're, you can't fix, you can't catch those people. You can't make them better. All you can do is help the kids. So that's how I try to think about it. I try to um, hound Zach about that too, that he's just helping people in that moment and that's all he can do. And he's doing the best job he can. And um, we're working on it. Well, people that are, uh, that are in the hero profession, which we all are, it's hard for us to to fail right or feel yeah, or feel right. that we that we fail for us, it, i mean failure is not an option there exactly you know and w- in in looking back damn i wish i, I could have done more i could have done something different to maybe make the outcome uh better right you know but that's hard and and kudos for you for recognizing what works for you because what works for you doesn't work for randy or work for me you know so yeah. what works for you i tell my kids that all the time good I'm like Good for you. There's a hundred coping skills. I mean, thousands in this world. And what's going to work for me is not going to work for you. And it might work for you for, I don't know, two weeks, but it probably won't work for you after that. So right. we got to find what works for you. You got to, it's an, it's, it's like an ever evolving masterpiece, right? Yeah, You're absolutely. just continually painting. Everyone grieves differently. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you notice a change in, uh, in him whenever he started up, uh, becoming, you know, involved with DFR? Um, I wouldn't say immediately. Um, I think things changed the most when we moved in together, which was, um, a year after we started dating. So we met in 2018 and 2019 in the summer, yes. we moved in together like May of and, um, he had just moved to, or he was about to move to another station. Yes. We moved, we moved in together in May of 19 and then October of 19, I went from Old East Dallas down to South Oak Cliff off of uh, Hampton and Kernwood. <laughs> yeah, and that's when yeah. things probably changed the most. Um, I could see until probably the last year. But in that in a way of he was exhausted, he didn't know how to deal with it. He was he we were learning how to live together, so it didn't help that he had stressors of we both did stressors of that. Um 
he didn't know how to take care of himself in forms of sleep because he yeah. basically in his head he was like i'm coming home it's daytime i gotta be up and i'm like no you need to go take right. a nap like you were up all night you've been up for 24 hours it's not normal yeah. so um i feel like that really changed his mood um not not in the worst way i will ever say that he was still a great partner and um but it was definitely a change from when he started right yeah, it's funny you mentioned Kernwood and Hampton and Kernwood. I, you know, I, I, I grew up, I mean, well, kindergarten and third grade, I went to Bertie Alexander and th- 1317 Kernwood was mm-hmm. my address. Yep. It's funny. Now it's. I've probably passed it a million I'm times. Sure you probably, well, it burnt down. The house that I, I lived in burnt down. They rebuilt it. And it, uh, it looks kind of now looks like the most pimped out house on the street. Really? Yeah, it's the newest one. Yeah. Is it for sale? Yeah, you don't want to live there. <laughs> it's a lot different than when I lived there. Yeah. Shit, every other house is oh, a, a yeah. drug house. Mm hmm. Um, I want to talk about some critical incidents that, uh, cause you know, I, pe- people see, like we've already talked about the media, we, we kind of see police and fire incidents on the, uh, police, more police incidents are talked about on, on the news than, than fire. Right. Mm-hmm. I want you to kind of paint a picture of some, uh, critical incidents that really stuck with you. That way the listener can get a feel of what a firefighter in Dallas has to deal with. Okay. Um, so initially, I guess what, four months ago or whenever all this kind of came to a head, uh, and I, I did start seeking therapy. Um, I had three incidents. What it came down to three incidents that really were sticking with me that I was taking home. Um, and I just, I couldn't shake them, you know, and, and each one had its own, um, I guess, beast, if you will, of, of why it was bothering me so bad. Um, I'll talk about one of them, and I'll kind of refer back to Dr. T's episode. Um, and I'm sure you'll get back into that, too. But at one of the things she says is, you know, you've, there's, there's three different responses. Is you've got fight, you've got flight, and you've got freeze. And one of the calls, I had a freeze response. Uh, at least in my mind, that's what it was. Um, I was working, I think I was working for somebody else that day. I was on the truck and ended up being on the highway. We pull up, it was a just motor vehicle accident. So I get out, I go walking up and dude, this car is destroyed. I'm talking, you know, the ones where you're looking at and you're like, what is that? You know I mean? You can't even tell what the car is. And so I go walking up and an 18 wheeler had stopped. And so the, the driver of that was over above kind of near the car and he was kind of walking around freaking out and I was like man you know what what's the deal and so I'm actually the first one to walk up there and there's a guy laying on the ground uh next to the vehicle and so I go walking up to him uh and and you know really I was gonna go check for a pulse because I'm like this there's no way this guy's you know there's no way and as soon as I went to check him the guy just flips over and starts moaning and I look down his whole leg's blown off. Uh, the impact of the vehicle striking the barrier was so so much that I, I guess his leg had impacted underneath the dash. And I mean, it literally blew his leg off. And so when I looked down, immediate to me in my mind, and even as I'm trying to think back through it now, you know, I, I remember looking at him, looking at his leg. You know, there's arterial blood squirting out. I mean, it's just like they tell you, you know, in training, like, Hey, get a tourniquet, put a tourniquet on this guy. And immediately that was my response was, Hey, when you get a tourniquet on him, you know, but for me, 
in that moment, it felt like minutes, right? I mean, in all actuality, it was one, two seconds, maybe before I was like, Oh crap, you know, let's start working on this guy. And it, for whatever reason, just that's how it hit me. That's, you know, and so I carried that for a while because I, I couldn't shake, um, the feeling of being frozen and it, it bothered me because then you start thinking like, man, like what happened to me there? Like, why did I, why did I freeze on that? You know? And in all reality, did I physically freeze? No. Like it was, like I said, one, two seconds, you're doing your job, but mentally, yes, it, and, um, I think that kind of incapacitated me for a little bit as far as me feeling in control, uh, being able to do, we'll just, we'll say medical treatments, um, because I, I took a step back and like, you know, what's going on? Why, why am I feeling like that? Um, so that was one of them that I had to work back through. Um, obviously it was, you know, a traumatic situation guys on the ground has his, you know, leg blown off. Um, I'll go into another one for you. This was my, this was my most traumatic one. And, uh, I'll try and leave out details just out of respect for everyone involved. But, uh, I was working overtime one day and I get called to a wreck late at night and, uh, we pull up at the wreck. So we get out. <clears throat> There's a car kind of on the side of the road. We didn't really know what was going on. So we go walking up there and, uh, an individual had apparently was, I guess, going out with, with their friends for a night out. And this individual, for whatever reason, I guess, was in an argument with other people in the vehicle. Uh, and the individual decided that the best way to just solve this problem was to exit the vehicle, uh, going full speed down a freeway. Uh, in turn, the individual was struck multiple times by other vehicles. So you probably had about a, we'll say, three, 400 foot, uh, just, I don't know how else to describe it to you except for carnage. I mean, it just pieces of flesh, you know, blood, everything. I mean, it was just, and so walking up, like I'm, I look over at the car and there's people screaming and I'm just like, man, what is going on? You know, like I had no idea. And all of a sudden, like I look in front of me and I spot the individual on the ground, um, pretty unrecognizable. I've never seen a human look the way this person did. Um, God, I hope I never have to again. That that one was hard. And I, for, you know, in that moment, there was nothing that we could have done, uh, differently. I mean, this, obviously the individual, I mean, they were gone before we left the station, you know? Um, but being there in that moment, I, for whatever reason, just, it didn't process like it. And I, it, it all looking back on it, you know, we might've been there 20 minutes or so. And then, you know, DPD was like, Hey, you know, y'all are good. We're shutting this thing down, doing our investigation whatnot. So we left, uh, we got back. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I just laid there in bed, eyes wide open, you know, just thinking what, what was that? You know, 
They, they don't t- – when you get hired, they don't tell you about that. They don't tell you no. – they say, you know, you're going to see some stuff and this and that. But, man, that one that, – that was hard. That was – Okay, after that incident, and thank you for sharing that, by the way. I know mm-hmm. that is, that's not easy. How, how many days after did you replay that in your head, if you can remember? Every day. Really? Every day, yeah. What image, what image is, was it just kept sticking with you? Multiple images, uh, images of just the individual images looking down, uh, you know, my, my boots had, you know, flesh, blood, hair still stuck to my boots, uh, after the call that I had to get off, um, the screams of people that were in the vehicle still out there screaming. I mean, even, even now, you know, and, and reflecting back, I, I can still hear them. It's, you know, it, it's one of those, that unfortunately doesn't go away. You're, you're stuck with that. Probably always will. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, did, did y'all talk about this? Yes. Um, the next day, but it was really kind of, it was weird. It was a, like a matter of fact, this situation, like, not like, Oh, I just went through this. Oh, this is what happened on shift last night, which was is pretty normal for us. Um, we talk about mm, every call he goes on for the most part. Um, but that was really weird because that is such a, I felt the trauma from that. And I felt I couldn't wrap my head around how he was sitting here telling me what had happened and was just, yep, this is what happened. I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, just very short yeah. matter of the fact. It, it's kind of weird. It's like that meme of that dog sitting in there with a cup of coffee and the, just sitting in flames says, I'm fine. Yes, right? literally. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Exactly. It, you know, that's – it sounds like you were already minimizing it, trying to minim, trying to oh, minimize it in your brain yeah. and oh, giving her a message that it was it, – so it wasn't that big a deal. I'm okay. Yeah. Did, you know, that's where you were trying to cope with right. it. And but internally, you were not. Right. Internally, I just, it was on replay. I mean, I'd, I'd lay down to go to sleep. It was there. I'd wake up. It was there. And it it just, it stuck with me. And then. And you had to continue working. Yes. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So how much time did you have on when this happened? <coughs> uh, Yeah, give or take three years or so. See, something what I remember always, when I, when I trained and when I was on training, you always emulate what the people around you do. Right. So how much of that did you see how everybody else reacted to it? Did you try to like, okay, I got to put this face on. I got to act like oh, it's no big certainly. deal. Yeah. How, how much of that did it affect you that you knew? And then looking back, it's like, man, I should have think of this ain't fucking normal. You know, why right. are they acting like it's so normal or how did. Right. I mean, and, and I think everyone, everyone around me, you know, were they bothered by it? Maybe, you know, probably I would hope so as a human, I'd hope you'd be bothered by that. But, um, you know, they were pretty nonchalant. Just, yeah, we're here. It's a call. You know, we're nothing we can do. We're going back. And I think I tried to, you know, at, at this time I had, I had already come over. I'd switched stations from 40s to 19s because uh, I had gotten into USAR by that point. So, you know, coming into that, like, I mean, you're, you know, I'm still a rookie today. Like, you don't, you don't want to walk into a new station and, you know, a few months into it, it's like you have a call with some of the guys and you're like, 
oh crap, man, you start wigging out or whatever. And they're like, man, who is, you know, this rookie, he doesn't, you know, you got three years on what's bothering him, you know? And that, at that time, that was my mindset, um, was just in a way trying to get rid of it so that I could be, you know, seem normal like everyone else. But, you know, at the same time, also trying to protect my reputation, you know, as, as a rookie, like, you know, you don't want the rookie out there crying on the side of the road. Like that looks pretty bad. You know it's, what I mean? It's, like, it sucks it's, that we do that to ourselves when we right, should that, be showing this emotion and not bottling right. it up. And we that, need to let it and out. And I think that comes back to just you know the the stigma of hey, you know, you're a big tough guy, you're first responder, and this is what you see. And you know, basically like a soldier. You know, and like, and yeah, and yeah, you're you're saying that the what the image they were putting out there was like. Hey, you know, it's just not that big a deal, and we'll go on to the next. Right, I mean, and you know, you get back, get back in the apparatus. Hey, check my phone, and you know, we're. But off. you don't know what's going on in their head either. No, yeah, right? And, right. And, I mean, and guys, our egos are so stupid that we want to like, oh, nonchalant yes. to put put on that face when we yeah. need to be. Right. Yeah. Well, that's some that's how some people have to cope, but yeah. right. but the the what's buried underneath the pain and and right. the, and the suffering that's buried underneath is real, right? Yes. Do you remember? Do you ever see Seven Palmer Run? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Remember when? When uh, Tom Hanks climbed back over, he got away from his troops and he broke down crying because mm-hmm. he's a he's the he was the right. captain, he was the leader. Right. You got away from him. You got to yeah. yes. put your face on in front yep. of everybody, right? Yeah, and mm. that I mean, a hundred percent. It just you know, almost like the movie. The next day, whenever I left, I got in my car, was driving home, got on the highway, and I passed right by you know the place that I just was uh, six yeah. hours earlier. And, you know, I, I broke down crying and I sobbed from, you know, that area all the way till I got home in Fort Worth. I mean, it, you yeah. know, that's, Hey man, you had to let it out. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. And it's, you know, and Zach's really good at putting face on for everyone in his life. Yeah. <laughs> um, you. yeah. <laughs> and, um, I think that was really hard for me too, because I, I'm a helper and I want to fix things by nature. That is me to my core. And, he wouldn't let that happen. Yeah. So he basically, he knew that and he knew that if he let me see any, basically any weakness or any sign that this had bothered him in the slightest, that I was going to go into fix it mode, which I definitely would have. Right. I don't doubt that at and, all. And you know, at that time I, I didn't want that. Like I didn't want, you know, you want it to go away. Right. And I be just, fine. Yeah. I just want to yeah. forget about it and move on. Yeah. And you know what? That never happened. And, and just go about it. And, Ultimately, it doesn't work that way, and I understand that now. But you know, at that time, I didn't, and that's that's how I dealt with it. Was it wrong? Sure, I should have dealt with it in a different way. But you know, I, I should have talked to somebody. I mean, heck, as soon as we got back, I should be like, "Is anybody else bothered by what just happened here?" Like, really? Yeah, yeah. really. I mean, let's let's yeah. cut the bullshit. Is it yeah, really like, I mean, wrong? But but I didn't. And now, if you know, say an incident like that happened again, I would take, I guess. You know, 180 degrees from what what I did the first time. I would definitely, yeah. you know, I'd talk to the crew. I'd talk to, you know, I'd tell Megan, hey, here's what happened. You know, whatever. Like I'd call my therapist. I'd, you know, whatever I needed to do to make sure I could process that mentally and and not be He's hung up. Much on that. more aware now too of how things affect him, which makes a huge difference in both of our lives, um, in his life at work too. So that makes 
that is a world of difference and that's all thanks to y'all so well being self-aware uh, is is what dr t said is yeah. the first thing of being resilient right is the buzzword resilient that resiliency means different things for different people but being self-aware that something's going on with you internally right. that is the biggest step and that's the why well, i mentioned the courage right right uh, you, you mentioned USAR. Can you kind of describe, tell, tell the listener what USAR is, the unit that you're on, and what y'all do? Uh, so USAR stands for Urban Search and Rescue. Um, and USAR, you're trained in a variety of disciplines, uh, you know, just a few of them, uh, rope rescues, trench rescues, uh, heavy heavy damage motor vehicle rescues. Um, it, and the way that I guess I would explain it to someone that had no knowledge of uh, the fire service or maybe even the police side of things would be if you look at a, a SWAT team for a police department, whenever, you know, when your frontline guys, when a situation happens and you can't handle it, you call SWAT because they've got, you know, extra tactics. They've got a little more, maybe a little more knowledge, experience and, and, and problem solving. Uh, that's essentially what USAR is for the fire service is that's, that's your guys that, you know, they've got the extra training, they've got extra tools and it's just, it's additional problem solving and, and equipment that, you know, you just you may not have on on an everyday engine or truck uh, that may be responding to something. Okay, so it's 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 like a it's like DFR's version, of like a SWAT. It's, Essentially, if a critical incident happened in Dallas, like a, an explosion, right, like mm-hmm. a Oklahoma City bombing type explosion, right. that y'all would be deployed, right, to go in for yeah for immediate structural rescue. collapse. Okay. Yeah, it, it would be for, from our side of things. Obviously, immediate <clears throat> rescues, but. You know, if it say it was a building explosion, like nine eleven, yeah. I mean, okay. you're you're gonna want to, you know, you're gonna want to look at, hey, what what's left of the building? What's my structural integrity look like? You know, are, do we have people in there? Is is a rescue gonna be, you know, viable? Um, you know, is it worth us getting close to this thing to shore it up and to put our lives at risk to go crawling through there to to get somebody, or is it is it gonna be like a no go situation? And and that's essentially that's that's how that would probably go. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I, was, I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. Even like a natural disaster, like that tornado we had ripped through. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and they, uh, Dallas responded to that even. Yeah. So it's, yeah, was we, we, work, we work with neighboring cities and, uh, man, when that happened, I lived, I lived off of Dow rock North, just North of Miller. So I, I was, was in, Hey, I was in Waterview that night when that thing really? came running yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had, so. My daughter was two. Carmen was two. And we, Shit, remember how cold it got right after yep. that? It was like bitter cold. Like it was in the weird, 20s. man. Yeah. It was weird. I, I remember even me and my parents, we were in the closet because, you know, sirens yeah. start going off. And we're like, ah, whatever, you know. So we go get in the closet with the dogs. And we're sitting there, and I was like, y'all hear that? Next thing you know, I mean, it sounds like sounds like freight train. Yeah, and you're just like, whoa. Like, that's that's eerie. Well, so I was on the, I guess, the east side of Dalrock, right? Mm-hmm. Just north of Miller and mm-hmm. on the lake. And when – they got in the closet, right. and I remember just stepping out the front door, and I was looking over the houses towards Dalrock, and I could, I could told, see. Told dad move. I mean, you no, know, I'm done. Every, put, put everybody in the closet, and let me walk yeah. outside and see what's going see, on. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, 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 yeah, I'll keep you updated. Yeah. I walk out there, and I look it over the houses, and I see this humongous, it just enormous freaking winds, right? And right. then I see that I start seeing transformers blowing up in green, these green mm-hmm. explosions that I am at. All right, I'm out. And I yeah. go back in, I get in the closet. Lights go out, and then the shit stays off for like three days. Yeah. And, yeah, it was like we almost had to get up and finally leave, had the fireplaces going. 
after uh, the third day, I think the right. electricity finally came back on, but it was like 64 degrees in the house, and having a two-year-old was a beating. That was a, a beating trying to keep a two-year-old uh, entertained. I, I can only imagine. Yeah, it's like a caveman. I couldn't I couldn't get on Facebook, nothing. Um, I want to get into how did you become aware of this podcast? You know, you, you reached out to me because of this podcast, right. and I just want to know how that how that all came about. I really... I, re- I hate to say it, but I really don't remember how I found the podcast. I don't know if it was if I had seen something because uh, on Instagram I follow police and fire pages, both of them, okay. and I don't know if something had I'd seen something through the ATO there. Um, but I know I was I listened to Spotify, and that's that's where I found it. Yeah. Um, well, I start. I had to start up these little social media things for the for the for the podcast specifically right. from scratch and just and that could have maybe that was it uh maybe like I, I think i told you that whenever i first started listening y'all were you had just released like episode two. Oh crap that was so, i mean on. it was it was real early but, but, but before i ever released ed's the first one uh misty was the second right i believe so and, and I, we had already had four recorded before we released the first because oh, okay. i wanted to have some in the can yeah. to kind of like have some padding there to right to you know to to get it sure to release them you know, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, so what struck you about this podcast when you first started listening to it? Cause, and, and yes, I know the, the production quality of the sound was not good. The, that good oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. I, I had to replay it several times to understand what was going yeah. on. Yeah, uh, we did too. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I think it, I was drawn to it, uh, one, because it's just, it's out of Dallas. Like, you yeah. know, the, the people that are coming on, and they're talking. It's like you know, if if they talk about a call or they talk about something, I'm like, oh, I know where that is. Like I can I can relate to that, you know. Um, and then I guess just the other side of it, it just I like hearing stories from other people. Uh, lately, I've kind of become a big podcast junkie. Like I'm I've got like three or four right now that I'm like bouncing yeah. between. It's like oh, they got this guy on and this guy and bouncing around. Um, I just like hearing people's stories, and I, I like you know you can take something away from anyone that you listen to, whether it's good, bad, whatever, you know, when you listen to someone's story, especially as a a first responder, um, and maybe you hear an incident they had to deal with, or maybe you hear about a situation or, you know, maybe one of their accomplishments. I mean, you know, whatever it may be, you, you can take something away from that and it's viable. And that, I think that's what really drew me to it is I was like, you know, and listening to this, you know, I'm not a police officer, but I can, kind of understand you know where these guys and girls are coming from is you know with some of their stories um and then obviously as, as you guys have progressed and you know you've had on firemen you've had Chief on bill yeah I mean, you, you've had on all kinds of people and it's and it's also good to see perspective to see perspective from what's the chief seeing and what's the new guy seeing what's the middle you know the guy that's you know 15 years into a 30-year career what's he seeing i mean i, I think it's just it, it gives you more perspective well i think that was joe's biggest goal starting this and i know we've talked about it before is the you know the workout sessions we had and just a time talking about how he wanted to get this going you know that's why it's bridging the divide we wanted everybody's perspective to let us know hey we wanted to normalize first responders as much as possible and let everyone know that they're they're not alone i think we talked about it in chris white's episode you know sometimes we think we're alone the only one battling a situation right but until other people start talking about it it's like oh fuck i'm not the only one feeling this way or thinking this way and it helps people talk about 
sure. what they're going on. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so great getting you on here because you, I guess he's obviously been able to open up. Yeah, yeah. The, the podcast yes. is what changed kind of the trajectory of where his life was going. I literally, his whole yeah, life. I, because I really, if looking back on it now, I mean, realistically, if, if I w- wouldn't have, you know, been going, going to work that day, because typically when you release an episode, I'll see it and I'm like, awesome. And I'll wait for the next shift. My drive to work's about an hour. So usually, you know, you I'll go. start it in the morning, <laughs> start it in the car. I'm coming in, drinking my coffee, getting ready to work out at the station in the morning. Um, Man, if I wouldn't have listened to that episode, I do not know where I would be headed right now. I don't, I don't, you know, I obviously would not be okay mentally, um, but I, I don't know what trajectory that would have set me on had I not have just listened to that and had it not struck me the way that it did. And it's really important, I think, for other people to hear that because I could sit here, I had been telling him, like, Zach, please you need to go see someone. You need to talk to someone that's not me because talking to me isn't making a difference. Like I'm your wife and I know that I can help you, but I can't help you in the way that you need help. Right. And he was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I blew it off. I was like, ah, you know, you're, you're just saying that you got some, you know, psych degree from college that, you know, you think you're awesome because you're a red Raider. And (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, that's just, you know, but that, that's how I portrayed it at the time as I was like, you're minimizing her. Right. Right. (laughs) It's an Aggie. Uh, Aggie. Oh no. (laughs) That's even worse. (laughs) All right. This, this interview is over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks, I just thanks think, for coming down. No. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. yeah, I just think it's so important because it gave Zach someone else literally that he had never heard of in his life. Um, talk to these points and every single point he was, he could relate to in some yeah. way. I mean, I was, and, I was checking every box and that, I think that's what hit me is as right. the episode went through, I was like, you know, they'd say whatever, I mean, whatever, whatever example that, that may have been brought up. I was like, that's me. And then it'd keep going another couple minutes. Holy crap, that's me. Holy crap, that's me. And just by the end of the podcast, I'm sitting there going like, I'm not okay. Like, yeah. for the first time, I realized that myself. Like, I am not okay. Can you tell the listener what episode you're talking about here? Uh, episode 27 yeah. with Dr. T. The great Dr. Heather Twiddell. The great uh, Dr. T. Yeah, I got her name right on the first try. <laughs> She's awesome. Uh, been, yeah, I... I've been working with her a lot more lately because the the DPD is starting our new wellness unit mm-hmm. up. It's the uh, the Al Initiative, and she, we have been going back and forth, and we've had some meetings with her on some mm-hmm. things. She's going to be assisting with that, thank God, because she's she's really good. When you heard that episode, you said you checked off all the boxes. Yes. What What did you do then? I mean, like, um, so I had to listen to it again. To okay. make sure I was hearing it right, so yeah. okay. so I I listened to it going to work. Uh, I got to work and I was like, man, that you know that it really just struck me. So I I worked that shift and I couldn't get it out of my head. So then I'm listening to it the next day and I we were actually driving to Austin and he was like, we're gonna listen to this again. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And I was like, just listen to it. humor me. Just listen to this with me. Tell me, you know, am, am I so hearing I'm this bullshit right? or not? Yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know you've said all of this to me before, but listen to what she's saying and then tell me. <laughs> you see, well, she's sitting there like, uh-huh. Yeah, Dumbass, you should have been listening yeah, to this and that's whole time. exactly how it went. She was like, you idiot. Like, I've told you this for, you know, two years. It's so interesting still to this day, like even through that episode and 
everything with his therapist now. He'll come home and he'll be like, oh, yeah, my therapist said this. I'm like, oh, really? He did, huh? Can you see her head? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. There's a huge... Like, oh, why totally. is she writing down I told you so? Oh, I've already, I've already been measuring down. the door frames in the house to <laughs> yeah. see if I need to go ahead and start expanding or... Yeah. But then, no. yeah. I'm no. so glad. Megan's taking down the live, laugh, love sign and putting I told you so yeah. Yeah. on the wall. That's yeah. what she's It's everywhere. Yeah, I'm so grateful, though. And every day, even though I say I told you so, I'm like, thank goodness because yeah i he is so much better off we are so much better off and it's all thanks to him checking off those boxes and making a change and That's, i know and, that was really hard for him so oh i can imagine I, randy and i start starting this this uh little podcast it i you know said if we could help one person one person it's worth yeah. it well here you are here's the one person right yeah. i've had other people reach out um very uh, respected uh, sergeant uh, on the department reach out talking about struggling and hearing mm-hmm. Dottie Claggett's episode and the next week booking mm-hmm. an appointment, you know, and, and that means a lot, you know, that really, right. from where we started <laughs> sitting here with a an iPad recording this crap right. and n- now we're having t-shirts made, you know, it's right. and getting, we're going to a, a podcast festival and having, you know, folks reach out from other states and countries right. It's way beyond that. I imagine it started off kind of like a hobby, and we'll see what happens. But in Doctor T's three day seminar, that's what gave me the the idea for this is mm-hmm. at, at the first and uh, the Frisco Star, and they had the ten first responders up there telling their stories for ten minutes, and I right. was watching the room whenever they were just that's just ten minutes. Right. Ed was the first to go. Ed Lujan. He mm-hmm. told his story and. Man, everybody in the room there there was nobody was jacking around their phone. I mean, right. there was everybody's tuned. They're in. engaged. There, some people, a lot of people were tearing up. A lot of people were shaking their head. Right. You saw physical reactions to these stories, right? Of these mm-hmm. uh, of these first responders just talking about it wasn't all just injury. It was some just dealing with alcoholism, and and they they did that to cope with what they're seeing. And you know, it takes a lot to come forward to say stuff like that. And then yeah. being in here, man. Hell, I can't tell you how many times that we've had some just true badasses. I mean, we, man, Randy, we've had some badass people that have just lost it, and we've paused it, taken breaks, changed the mood, yeah. did some stupid ass jokes, show some <laughs> yeah. some dirty memes, and, and get back on track. And but but everybody left. Even Chief Bill said that he had sent a very nice email after his episode he talked about getting badly burned. That other parts of the country his, his family his family's from and they heard his story for the first time that way and right. it, it was therapeutic for him to tell that story mm-hmm. you know and i've heard that from a lot of different people hell even rain every everybody that's told their story is it's it's hard it's a lot of things right. that that to get but it, through in a way it, it's therapy i mean that yeah. that's what it is you're 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 talking about it you're working back through it you may not want to but in a sense, that's that's kind of what this podcast, I guess, gives you. Um, if you've been through those difficult calls, and you know, you come and talk to people. I mean, you you don't have to be with a therapist. You can be with you know your guys at the station. You can be with you know your wife. You can be with your friends, whatever. But if you're talking about it and you're just putting it out there, yeah, you're naturally you're going to feel better about it because it's not just caught up in your own head. Well, and you also hear, and I've heard other people that say that, man, wow, I. I you hear people that let's say like Steve Claggett on SWAT. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear him getting choked up telling a story about pulling Larry Bromley out of the back of that car. You know, it's when you hear people, you hear peers, or you hear of other people that 
are known to be badasses and they're telling a story mm-hmm. and, 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 and they're talking about how they did not cope with it well and they could have done things better. Right. Somebody else could have probably hear that and say, damn, if they right. can do it, right? right? And if and I'm hoping that w- w- Dr. T's episode struck you, and I'm sure other episodes uh, struck you in different ways too, but I'm hoping your story does the same. You're, past, you're paying it forward, right? To everybody, yeah. every other listener 100%. moving forward, and that's what – that's what this is about. And right. there's been times in hell, Randy, I was even close to stopping at episode 50 and this wrapping it up. Right. And we, and we're getting close to episode 50. I mean, as far as how many recordings right, we stupid. have, I think this is, right. stupid this idea. is 40. <laughs> <laughs> this is number 49 actually. Um, right. And I mean, you know, initially whenever I had told Megan, Hey, you know, I sent those guys a message, let them know that, Hey, they're doing, you know, awesome job. You know, they, it's helped me out. Uh, she was like, you know, they're going to ask you to come on there, right? And I was like, I was like, <laughs> that was Danny, that was Danny and Misty's idea. I was, I was like, no, yeah. they're not. Like, you kidding me? Like, little, you know, four year rookie for the Dallas Fire Department. Like, this, what does this guy offer? You know what I mean? And then when you came back and actually asked me about it, at first I was very hesitant. I was like, yeah, I was because you know at that time I was still fairly early. That was going, months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still fairly early going through therapy, uh, reworking some of that in, in the first program. Yes. That, okay. And yeah. Doctor T's the. The, in, in her in her program, it's through her program. Okay, yeah, okay, it's yeah, just, yeah, okay, yeah. It's through good. First, it's okay, it's good. Through first, that I just go to a location that's in Fort Worth instead of you. up at Frisco. It's closer to me. Excellent. Um, but yeah, and and so I was very reluctant, you know, just because where I was at that time. But then, the more I sat on it and thought about it, I was like, you know, I was like, if I could go on here and talk about, you know, what's happened with me, as far as you know, the calls that I had to experience and how that affected me is, you know, well, four year rookie on fire department, you know, maybe somebody else that's, that's new, you know, because like I said, I, I can't offer you 30 years of experience. That's not, it's not where I'm at, but if I could offer a new person, someone that's, you know, maybe in that I'm just getting started or I'm thinking about joining to upwards of that, you know, five year mark, give or take, like, you know, you're still fairly new and you're still trying to uphold that, you know, I'm trying to be a hard ass like everybody else, you know, like if they listen to this and they're struggling with something, then, you know, it's okay to reach out. Like it's, it's, it's really okay. It's hard. I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not hard. That was the hardest phone call I ever made was calling first. I mean, she can tell you, I was, yep. you know, I was on the phone crying, telling them, you know, I need help. I, I can't do this anymore. And well, I, I hope just you coming on here reminds old people older officers you know a bit more experienced guys say hey you know don't be such a dumbass you know don't be so cynical don't be so stuck in your ways remember what it was to be a four-year five-year officer and and get that enthusiasm back and that love for the job right you know they can folk remember that that hopefully that'll get them through something that's just a little bit like you know what maybe i shouldn't be so crotchety and Right. Everybody's dealing with something. Outside. Yeah, right. absolutely. Everybody in this profession that's done it any length of time right. is dealing with something, whether they want to admit it or not. Right. And, and then, hopefully they can do something about it to save their life, their marriage, right? right. Their career. And, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it's the time we're in, right? I mean, we've had the same problems for years and oh. years and years and years and years. Generations. But just now, it's coming to a forefront of, hey, let's... You know, there's ways that we can handle this. Normalizing the need for mental health and counseling for first responders needs to be infectious. Yeah, making oh, it known absolutely. that it's yeah. it's okay it's to not be okay. Yeah. yeah, making that acceptable because it is. It's it's normal. It's human nature. 
you reached out to me after the the great mike reiner episode and said yeah. wow i said hey after, after some urging from uh my wife i'm uh think I'm, I'm ready to come on and i yeah. was like oh wow so i, I sent a message to danny and randy and yeah. misty and i said hey they uh i said that firefighter that reached out months ago i think he's ready to come yeah. on and then there was some time there there was like another little lull that, that we, we we stopped chatting and i yeah. think i changed his mind you know and I, i'm glad that you you know, you, you sent me your bio. You're, yeah. you're very busy. You sent me a, a good a good bio, and then I had something. Okay, wow. And then I was I saw that your wife said, "Oh, wow, she has a background in psychology. <laughs> yeah. I could yeah. I could use that. <laughs> yeah. I could yeah. use that for this episode and squeeze yeah. every bit I can." Out of yeah, I mean, with, without her here, we would have talked for five that, minutes. And okay, yeah. well, it's done. But, you know, because oh, no. she's here. <laughs> so now that you have us here, you have a, you have us cornered here on the mic suggestions for improvements and believe me we don't mind criticism what do you think what can we do better to make this podcast better and for the listener and and touch more people man that that's hard that's that's hard to answer just because i mean one i'm a listener and i yeah. i enjoy it so much so like for me looking in or you know me i'm like oh nothing's wrong with it like it's been great like help me <laughs> out and um Gosh, I don't know, man. That's was there any topics that you would want us to touch on uh, in later episodes? We got we've got others recorded. I don't know about yet, but you, you know, know, I I think going forward, just especially if you know if people openly like I did, just reach out and say, hey, you know, thanks for what you're doing. Like this helped me this kind of way. Like you know, if if they're willing to come on like I am and you know tell their story, just say, I I think the more you're that you get of that you get for lack of a better way to put it more buy-in. I mean, you get more people are saying, you know, they hear it and they're like, you know what? Hey, that's this guy came in and you know, he's, he's had some similar problems I have it's normalizing and, it. Yeah. And it, it's slowly, you know, it's hopefully will slowly kind of spread and, you know, get to that point where it, it's not, you know, I don't want to say frowned upon. I think that's a bad way to look at it. Um, Maybe it's not a good word, really word for that, but no, that's what I, I was going to say. Maybe just, maybe just back to the stigma of it, right? right. Like yeah. just that. Okay, you're a police officer, fireman. You're supposed to be a big tough guy and never have never have your emotional moment. But then you normalize, say, hey, you know what? It's okay. And you know what? If it happens at the station, it happens at the station. It doesn't have to happen at home in your closet when you're in the fetal position. It can right. happen. You know, it can happen around your peers, and it's okay. Yes, and, and you know one. I always, I point to this when I talk to people off the air. You know, head on the the great Will Chesney. You know the the mm-hmm. Navy SEAL. Yes, and you talk about people with bulletproof minds, right? And just meant the most mentally tough, sharpened people in the world. And to hear him come on and talk about it wasn't the it wasn't what he was seeing and doing that that got to him. It was him losing his friends and that Operation right. Extortion. That's what broke him. Mm-hmm. But to hear him talk about drinking till he'd fall asleep till his nails and hair were falling out to, mm-hmm. to get somebody on that that's that's that has that bulletproof of a mind and is that trained uh to fall apart anybody can fall apart it doesn't matter yeah. if you're 30 20 30 year veteran no, it doesn't anybody matter. it doesn't matter the mind is uh you know the mind is very very tricky well you're going through dr t's episode what do you, if you remember hits you the most to be introspective um i think one of the things that was said was um you know as a first responder like you take care of your body and but not your mind right yeah and 
that was one of the things I was like, oh crap, you know, this might be me because, you know, I, I, I try to watch what I eat. Uh, you know, I work out religiously. Um, and so, and hearing that, I was just like, man, you know, that, I don't know that, that hit you. Yeah. Uh, that was a big one because I, it, it made me start that kind of snowball of self-reflection, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I started looking at, you know, continuing in that episode, you know, she says that, you know, your body will eventually let you know, hey, you know, that can't do this anymore. You know, you, you try and throw it out of your mind. And I'll give you an example. So we had really stressful year last year, just a lot of big life events, you know, and a year and a half, I got engaged, married, got a new dog, moved twice, started building a house, finished building a house. I mean, it was a busy year. It's a lot and of that, shit. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of shit for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, we were living with my parents uh, before we were moving into the house. And I went and got a chiropractor adjustment one day because I was like, man, my back is just off, you know. Like, And this was, I don't know, probably last October-ish or right before last October. So I go to chiropractor adjustment, and I walk back to the front desk, and the girl's looking at me, and her eyes are like huge. And I'm like, you okay? You know? And she's like, are you okay? And I was like what do you mean am I okay? She's like, that was loud. She's like, I heard all that from, you know, all the way up here at the front desk, meaning, you know, my, the back and neck were popping loud. Right. And I was like, okay, you know, so I get home and this was probably 30 minutes later. And I just start feeling just sick. I mean, just physically, just like, I'm going to throw up, I'm getting nauseous. And as I, you know, hearing that episode and then thinking back on it, I was like, there's a, there's a way right there, you know, I was so stressed out and carrying so much crap that by even just going for a chiropractor adjustment, it released all that tension and just the toxins started flowing, you know, in my body and making me feel just sick. And whenever I thought back on that, I was like, man, that's crazy. Like that, that, that was one of the big things that struck me as I was like, you know, that's, that's no BS. Like your body will tell you at some point, like you can't keep putting this off. Like, yeah. The check engine lights on for yeah, a good while. For sure. For sure. So the, uh, can you describe the first process and, and, and what therapy they exposed you to and what really resonated with you that they do? Um, so the first, you'll have to remind me. This do you is, want me to do that? This, okay. this is Megan's wheelhouse. So, um, so he called and they set him up with a therapist that's under first. And mm-hmm. he went and they it was had within their... It was within like four or five days. Like yeah. it was okay. pretty quick. Yeah. It was like, hey, let's get you in here. Let's, you know, let's see what's going on. They had, um, he had his first session and he came home and he kind of told me about it. And I was like, oh yeah, they're going to do EDMR with you. Yeah. Like immediately. I knew that that's what they were going to do. Only because of the way he processes things. I had already known that. Um, and... I am not a therapist, so I do not do this, but um, EDMR basically is um, a mind stimulation with eye movements, and um, you hold some things in your hands that also vibrate, and it's a way of processing a memory and putting it back in the right place versus the wrong place. Um, I knew that's... So that's what he did for multiple sessions, I think. Yeah, I did that for the first... Not my first session, but I guess the next three after that, each session I would uh, take time and and walk back through those uh, walk back through those memories and I mean it was you know start to finish you're sitting there going through them and 
Um, it's very emotional. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it is extremely, extremely exhausting. Em- too. Yes, and Man, that, that was one thing. You know, whenever I would get done, uh, my therapist would be like, no, "You're you're probably gonna be really tired," you know. And I'm kind of thinking like, uh, "Yeah, you know, whatever." Well, then, like, I'd leave, and I'm like, "Man, I am." So you took a Benadryl. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. just emotionally, you are drained, and so that that was probably the first three that I did, three to four that Very I did. Um, and then after that, once once those were processed, um, then we started focusing on okay, so those are out of your. I guess it's a loop. What does yeah. that refer to? The the loop. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just a loop where it's going. It's going to a place that's not good, so it's not storing correctly. So it keeps coming to your right. forefront of your mind. Right. When you get out of that loop, it's in a appropriate place that can be stored right. where you can move past it. Obviously, it never goes away, but it's stored in a place right. that is okay for you to move forward. So after after I worked through those and they were you know stored so to speak, then it was like okay. So we've we've got rid of that. Now where are we at? Now you know are we at baseline? Do we have stuff going on? And for me, I've got you know a million things going on. So he's like, okay, well you're you're still pretty out of whack. So we need to we need to see you know what are your stressors? What's stressing you out right now? Um, you know what's giving you anxiety? What's you know pretty much exploring all the different things that you're doing or actions that you're taking that could be affecting you negatively that maybe you don't even, maybe you don't realize it, you know, maybe you're going out too many times a week drinking and you think you're just doing it to have fun. And then next thing you know, you're going out, you know, every, every shift that you're off, you're going out having a few too many beers. That's a negative impact. Yeah. Um, you know, working out too much. I'm guilty of that one. Just, you know, you, get in the gym and you're like, man, I feel like I'm stressed. I got all this crap in my mind. And next thing you know, you look at your watch and you've been there two and a half hours and you're like, oh, well, I guess I need to leave now. And you don't want to because by working out. It's distracting you. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, it's a distractor. And for me, I think that's really why, (laughs) I hate to say this, but that's why my fitness has stayed so well for so long is because I'm always running with, you know, I run 9-0 all the time. That's just my personality. I'm a high drive person. Uh, I like to be busy. I like to be doing things. But then when you tack on all of life's crap, then you start using working out as a way to just deflect all that. And, you know, eventually, like it did for me, it's all going to come crashing down. And then you're going to be like, you know, what's going on? What's wrong with me? And you can't you can't use the gym anymore to just shelf your problems. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, the great. Dr. Tanya Glenn, she's really big in MDR, and and we have an episode coming up with uh, a Cedar Park, Texas uh, officer. She got shot up, and Tanya did therapy on her mm-hmm. and help her get back on her back on her feet. It's coming up, Jackie uh, Keyless. It's uh, it's going to be soon, but that is a fascinating episode because she yeah. really delves into the. We actually have a therapist and the the client, That's right? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, sitting oh, cool. there talking about it, and it's really. I think the, I think the listeners are really going to. Um, like that one mm-hmm. and we really she really discusses emdr because she got back in into that type of therapy when it was kind of looked at as kind of voodoo type thing nobody wanted to right. accept it into the mental uh, health uh, world and that was back when like when the oklahoma city bombings mm-hmm. happened and um yeah that's a that's a good episode but this is on topic so don't look at me crazy have you ever seen that movie dr sleep which it's a sequel to the shiny I don't think I have. Okay. Have you seen it? No. Okay. No. I want you to go watch that. Okay. It's actually a good movie. Ewan right. McGregor's in it. It's a good movie. It's a sequel. It picks up 30 years after the first Shining, right? Okay. With uh, Basically, 
in the movie there's boxes within the kid's mind right the kid from the shining he's grown up now as you mm-hmm. mcgregor mm-hmm. And he's he's uh dealing with alcoholism and there's boxes in his mind that he has trained himself to store things in. Mm-hmm. That's what oh, this reminds. Yeah. yeah, it and it's really every time I hear about EMDR and I hear about your description of it, it makes me think of that movie. I'm serious, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's creepy as hell, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Both good. Both those movies. No, they're, oh, there, there's no, there. No, you gotta read the books. Um, man, I you know I can't. I've been really excited to sit down with you because we've been going back and forth. And you're the only person I've ever asked uh, to come on and, and tell and tell their story, mm-hmm. right? And um, I'm glad that you did. I think that the listeners are really gonna. I think it's gonna resonate with them. I hope and, so, I, and, and, and I, I, I know it will. I hope that if just one person takes anything away from this, then me coming out here today was worth it. And that's you know, that, like I said, that's that's why I decided to come out here. Is like if if one person sitting there. New guy, old guy, new girl, old girl, whatever, doesn't matter. If you're sitting there and maybe you've been having, you know, problems with calls, replaying in your head, or you've, you know, maybe you're just stressed all the time. Maybe you're drinking too much caffeine because you're stressed and you're tired and whatever. Uh, you know, if one person listens to this today and then they say, hey, you know what, maybe I will call first. Or maybe maybe I will call one of my department's programs or, or reach out to my association or, or whatever, then this whole thing's worth it. Yeah, and the Sissy Oster Foundation, we, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fire, Dallas firefighters, they don't realize that the Sissy Oster Foundation provides both right. financial and the uh, confidential counseling to them as well. Right. You know, I even she still, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. I, I hear that a lot. I don't, I haven't talked to many firefighters that actually knew that was a thing. Right. And uh, they are appreciative after they find out mm-hmm. that, that it's a thing. We have, we have some other firefighters we have, uh, we have slated to come on. Um, because we, you know, we are going to go past fifty episodes. Right. We'll, we'll see how many. But um, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. Seriously, it's it's means a lot, and and, and you know it means a lot to Randy and I to see some. This is this is what we sought out when we started right. this thing, right? When uh, you call, we if, at the very least we'll entertain people with cool ass stories oh, yeah. and, and dumb shit. But to see an actual success story. Of what our original mission was, that really mean. I can't tell you. It means a lot right. to me. Right. Very. I'm, I mean, that's that makes this whole thing worth it. All the hours of research and mm-hmm. Danny works his ass off putting these things together, and hopefully one day you get to meet, you know, Danny Canetti. He's yeah, he's incredible. So, yeah. Misty, she she would have been here, but she's out in Montana right now hiking in the mountains. Yeah. So uh, she's she's to go like a whole month off. Nice. So good that's for her. Nice. Yeah. I wish I could do it. Um. I do have one thing to say before you okay. wrap this up. Sure. Um, and this is something I told Zach too that I think was really important for him to hear is that um, therapy doesn't have to be a forever thing that you go to. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really like Zach thought he's like, I'm messed up. I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. And that is not true. It's a tool for you to use when you need it and you use it as much as you can, but it's not. For example, Zach doesn't go every week anymore, and there will come a time where he stops going to see mm-hmm. his therapist, and that he will only go to his therapist should something come up. Right. And I think that's important for people to hear because it's not a forever thing that you are going through. Sometimes people just need help to process literally one thing, and it makes the biggest difference in your life. So I think that's just really important for people to remember 
and it was important for Zach to hear that from me because he basically thought he's like, all right, I'm going to start this and it's going to go on forever. But that's definitely not true. Because initially that's what I thought. I mean, that was my, that's how I understood it. It's like, oh, people that go to therapy, well, they, they do that, you know, every week forever. And I'm going to be in a straight jacket like, in a couple months. No, I mean, that's yeah. what, you know, that's what I told Megan. I was like, are they going to have that curved couch where like I lay on it <laughs> yeah. and I'm kicked back, you know, talking. Um, and, you know, my, my first day there, it was like, you know, I'm going to help you get through this. And at the end of the day, coming from my therapist, he said that, you know, my goal is to talk myself out of a job. Like, you shouldn't be here forever. Like, if, if you're here for a long time, I'm not doing my job well enough because you're not, you know, you're, you're not getting what you need out of this. And so it's, you know, it's gone from a weekly thing to a bi-weekly thing to soon it's going to be a monthly thing. And then, you know, hopefully, who knows, maybe the beginning of next year, maybe it's like, all right, well, see you when I see you kind of thing, you know, so. That's progress and that's success. Yes, 100%. Well, Megan, Zach, I think that's a perfect way to wrap this up. I can't, I want to thank you all both for your service uh, in the DFR and you helping this poor uh, kids out and, <laughs> Thank you. and and actually keeping this guy in line. <laughs> Somebody, my best. Somebody's yeah. Someone's got to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all for coming on. Seriously, it means a lot. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, so Thank you for much. all y'all yeah. done. Really, it, it means a lot. It's made a huge difference. Good. Thanks. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. I'll never give up on you. Mrs. A. Mister, I'll see this all the way through. No matter how far the sun and the moon, I'll never give up on you.
on me.